let's talk about it. Hello and welcome back to Thick Radio, the podcast where we talk about gaming, feedism, and everything in its orbit. I'm James. And I'm Tim. So let's get into it. Today we are um, kind of doing a little bit of a succession to the bonus episode where we did 20 years of hard fat. We've decided that we are actually going to start reviewing um, different uh, media that involves weight gain or gaining, feederism, chubby chasing, BBW. And we actually just watched a little documentary called Fat Girls and Feeders, which was filmed in 2003. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Yeah. That's right. And it was directed by Alastair Cook and Robert Davis. Now, I'm not sure what channel this originally aired on, but the narrator was uh, a British woman. So we can assume this may have been done for uh, Channel 4 here in the UK. And uh, they do tend to do uh, documentaries exploring different topics. But, um, yeah, <laughs> how, how, how do I want to start this off? I don't know if you guys can tell from the tone of our voices, but we have a lot to say about this. So look, I, I want to make this point first and foremostly, right? So something we have said on the podcast before is historically shit that has to do with gaining in fetism is not great. And this documentary follows suit. I'm not going to lie to you all. It doesn't yeah. feel great to watch. Yeah. Uh, it's very aggravating, <laughs> if I'm honest, because... Look, it's a very... Predi- I said to you, it's a predatory documentary. It's extremely predatory, right? And I just... Um, there's just... There's a lot of sentiments that are just wrong. Like, factually wrong. But you know what? It's a review, so we're going to get... Wait, wait, wait. Bleh, we're going to go through it, all right? So let's just... Let's just do this. Uh, so we watched it. Before the film actually begins, it showcases a title card, which we discover is the commercial intro and outro for the documentary. And it showcases one of the main characters, Gina, who I believe at this point is approaching like 850 pounds or something like that. Uh, she's sitting in the nude, sitting on the edge of her bed with this like weird smile frozen on her face. Even from this initial glance, right, what impression did you get from the documentary at this point? Uh, I thought, okay, the the pose that she's sitting in, the way it's framed, the very strange, the really weird smile on her face. And I don't know what she was being told to do in this shot. Like, I don't know what the what her director told her to do, but like it presented itself like the circus fat lady. There's no other way around it. It was like the freak show fat lady. Yeah, I I have a suspicion because part of the film explores her and her husband, Mark, uh, taking photos of her weight gain progression. I suspect that it was just a photo that he had taken of her, which in fairness means Mm. that, you know, this was not a direction given by the documentary, but an active choice made by them based on a shot taken by Mark of Gina, which I believe we see this mirrored uh, on uh, near, near the end of the documentary. They describe it as what's meant to be her last day of mobility, yeah. last day of walking. So I can only imagine that perhaps what's yeah. forming the smile on her face 
is a sense of exhaustion from having had to be physically mobile and any other number of factoids, but you don't get that context until the end of the film and we're only extrapolating that being mm-hmm. who are like in the fucking know. When you're a civilian watching this, you just see a circus freak. And that's very mm-hmm. fucking apparent. So yeah, I, I agree with your sentiments on that sort of initial um premise being projected well you know something else that struck me within the first couple of minutes of the film i was like this is very clear it's it's extremely obvious that a man was directing it because she is held in the male gaze even though she is not the body type or weight that i think the director would go after he is framing her in the same gaze as her husband does you know like in that exploitative like you are a fantasy kind of way. Very much agree. Throughout the film, you know, and this woman, Gina, is not the only uh, plus size woman who gets interviewed. Though to be clear, the the, the documentary is called uh, Fat Girls and Feeders. So it does lean into this cishet normative idea that it's only fat women and it's only thin men, which obviously we know is not the case, but that's clearly that's being left behind for this episode. So, you know, we're just going to get into it. Um, any instance in which a fat person is being filmed, they're never being, like, sat and looked at straight on, except for Gina, right? Every other character is either naked mm-hmm. or, like, in a bra and panties. And there's, like, one scene in particular I noticed where, like, two women are, like, bunched up on the tail end of the bed, like, on their elbows, titties pressed, bellies out they look naked because you can barely see the spaghetti straps that they're wearing and then one of the characters Mm because this is like when they finally reveal that what they're really talking about is feeders they're like yeah it's like really Mm -hmm. inappropriate what they do and it's a game to them and they take advantage of fat women and they have no humanity for fat women while the documentary is literally objecting objectifying these fat women so it's like no matter how you want to slice this is advantageous over fat women this very documentary is subjecting fat women and it's not good (laughs) and my god i don't know if anyone actually fucking saw that but you know that's just a a point to be made of the kind of shit we saw (sighs) there's a point in the beginning right to to kind of take it back where the narrator describes Mm -hmm. fa which is fat admiration as a strange sexual subculture that treads the line between consent and coercion. In your opinion, do you feel like this statement <laughs> confirms a bias in the piece? No, absolutely. It, it's it's bias. It's bias. It's obvious. You know, the fact that they even said that, that like, okay, first, first of all, they said strange sexual subculture. They didn't say different. They didn't say unique. counterculture. They didn't say unique. You know, they just said strange. So already they're classifying this entire sexual realm as being weird, unusual, uh, and then goes on to say toes the line between consent and coercion as in, like, I'm glad that they brought consent into it. But then when you balance that out with the coercion part, it's like, I what you're what you're really trying to say here is that we're all just a bunch of deviant perverts. Yeah, there's no real moment in the film where it explores the idea of consent, except towards the end. And at that point, there's this this suggestion like, oh, some people say that they are consenting to this, but it can be hard to determine. 
And the reasons they insinuate that it is hard to determine whether or not the consent that is being given is legitimate is because it's apparently a slippery slope due to emotional manipulation and the extremes people go to to not lose a partner. To which I say, maybe if we didn't have to deal with fucking systemic fat phobia where the idea of being sexual with fat people was seen as a freaky fetish, maybe we wouldn't have that narrative being so strongly attested. Maybe fat people would be able to be in long-standing relationships to the point where someone trying to subjugate you because of your fatness becomes the outlier rather than a subjective expectation. There was not a single positive thing that had been um, uh, reviewed in in that community for this documentary. And what I really hated about her statement of, oh, well, it's just so hard to know. It's like, okay, so you're just assuming that people are sheep who have no autonomy, no will, like it very much plays. And especially because there are two women that are featured as the, as like the feedies. It's like, it's like, she's saying, well, these two women just have no willpower. They're just weak and stupid yeah. and they're easily manipulated and men are predatory and they always have been, and they always will be. And if he can't, you know, rape her physically, this is how he's raping her. You know, that's what I took away from that. And I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's once again an example to be made that it's a piece that doesn't actually seek to understand fetism or gaining, it just wants to point the finger. Because once again, so much of the perspective of fat liberation, which is an important movement people, we need to get on board with it. But this division, this idea that gaining and fetism is somehow in opposition because the apparent belief of fat liberation is that women are weak and powerless and have no consent to the construct of being fat. You're only allowed to be fat if you hate yourself and have been bullied in order to become fat. Like, the idea that people could become fat out of joy and desire is insane to people. And, like, I get it. This is what we're combating. But, like... For anyone listening who is not a part of the community, this is what we're trying to pick apart. Like, there is a quintessential wrong thought in fat liberation if this is fat liberation's genuine perspective on gaining and fetism. It is factually wrong. And we can tell you that it is factually wrong. We are here to correct that narrative. Hence why, once again, I will say and scream from the top of my lungs and from the top of this building, what we are doing on this podcast is extremely fucking important because apparently no one else in the universe is talking about this. So anyways, <laughs> James on his soapbox once again. During the film, we're introduced to Mark, who is Gina's husband. And he says at the very beginning, when I was about 12 or 13 years old, realizing things weren't normal with me, I'd see a fat girl and I'd realize I'm getting turned on. Do you feel like this sentiment is, do you feel like part of how this sentiment is delivered indicates that perhaps his speech is scripted well i'm sure that the director came over and, and asked him like okay so what what are you gonna like tell me like we're gonna do the the run through i'm gonna ask you the question you answer it i i guarantee you the, the director was like okay let's tweak your answer a little bit i'd like you to say it like this you know documentaries i know the whole purpose of a documentary is to be fair and, and unbiased but that is not the case documentary makers Put their own spin on things a documentary can be just as biased oh, yes. as anything else can it is not like a news report and hell the longer we live the more we figure out that the news is manipulated too so 
you know, speaking from experience, she took part in a documentary. And my experience from that is that they are honest with the idea of what they want to present, the overarching theme. But in terms of specific language and specific things, oftentimes that comes about because of questions that get asked. In my experience, I do not feel that the questions I was asked were particularly deceptive. But I can be honest and say that there are perhaps ways that questions are phrased that might suggest, oh, it would position you and pivot you slightly. You know, as much as if you can think physically like you're standing, maybe you're leaning way onto your right foot, they'll ask you a question that causes you to pivot and just lean on the left foot. And that's all they're doing to position you to give a different answer and that that answer might have the same theme and flavor, but the specific language used hits more onto points that perhaps they want you to give. For example, like suggesting that when you were 12 or 13, you knew that you weren't normal. That to me is a very specific response given in response to perhaps a very specific question asked by the interviewer. So we've also all felt that way. Every gainer, encourager, belly admirer, muscle gainer, belly enthusiast, whatever label you put yourself under in this community, every single one of us has felt that way. At some point we thought, oh, this isn't normal. Yeah. And And, And that sucks. That fucking sucks because that just puts a complex in your head. Because and, nobody ever pulls you aside and says, no, it's fine. It is normal. It's just who you are. It's just society won't, has not, you know, yet caught up and figured out that we can live and let live. You know, I, and I, part of me really wanted to feel bad for Mark for feeling that way at that age. But, you know, we'll get to the points later on in the, in this discussion where, you know, suddenly I was like, uh, I, <laughs> I don't think either one of these people are good people. Oh, 100%. And I feel like this is the point, like, we're just going to state this, the narration is manipulative. I mean, there oh, are, yes, like, absolutely. From the very beginning, walking the line between uh, consent and coercion, it turns out this person was a feeder, a devious individual. You know, it's not it's not neutral language that allows the interviewee to express who they are. It is mm-hmm. laced with bias from beginning to end. So if any of you end up checking this out and to be clear to you, it is available in full to watch on YouTube. If you would like to watch this, please be aware that it has that. And if you find that triggering, be aware of that going in because Christ, it's difficult to, to swallow. Um, Right. The next, the next kind of beat in the film, they introduce us to a British FA uh, named Tony. Now, we both mentioned this to each other at the same time. Every angle that the fat admirers or feeders are filmed at is problematic. As in, there's no moment where they are filmed straight on, seated, dressed, and in full view of the daylight. Any moment you see this person, Tony, who in all honesty, at first, I actually felt myself thinking this person looks a little skeevy the way they're designed. But then you see him in the wide for a half a second and you're like, oh, he's actually a very attractive guy. Yeah. So what they fucking had to do to this dude to put him on par with Mark, who, you know, fulfills some stereotypes, perhaps because of his generalized aesthetic. You know, this guy, Tony, they got him where it's like they're they're only filming him in the dark or where it's Mm -hmm. like where the angle of the camera is like on a diagonal. Or it's like shit, like at one point the camera was seemed to be under his chin and it was staring up his nose. And it was the like, I was like, what the fuck is this angle? Who? 
who videos anything from this angle? I mean, this is not how an interview should be conducted. Like, if I had been Tony sitting there, I'd be like, why are you putting the camera down here? The only moments you see him in the wide are the moments where he's at this BBW event, where he's dancing around with BBWs, doing jello shots with them and having a great time. But also, you see so much of it cropped and cut, these like little flash shots, where very clearly it's like when you see him looking, quote unquote, crazy, he's obviously like out of his fucking mind horny and having the time of his life with his community. <laughs> like, the idea that this is the moment to capture him looking insane, it's just very clear that there is a lot of that manipulative kind of bullshit, you know, odd and there's odd camera angles yeah. all throughout the documentary. Not just him. Well, yeah, because I wanted to bring up two other shots that I was just like, what are they doing? Oh, there was that? another, um, yeah, there was another uh, Feedy who was introduced named Debbie. Oh. And, you know, they went through her story about how she had met a feeder and actually was subjected to a lot of psychological and physical abuse. Which we will say this here guy. is we don't stand, we don't support psychologically. Yeah, we don't stand that. Sexual fetism, feeding, gaining any of it is still non-consensual, it's still not good, and it is never and will never be okay. Just putting that out there. But they have this one shot where they, okay, so they start in super close on one of her, one of her eyes, right? Like the camera is pulled in so tight and you actually see the really shitty job she did with her mascara. Oh my God. <laughs> but then they, uh, yeah, it was really bad. But then they pull out and it's, it's a slow drawing the camera outwards to get her in, you know, full frame. And she's just staring at the camera, like with her mouth open and her eyes like hooded as if she's like a goldfish gasping for air. I was like, what kind of direction did he give her when he said, okay, this is how I'm going to frame the shot. <laughs> like it was just like dead behind the eyes, honestly. And there was so many moments like that in the production where it just felt like, they waited until these women were like gasping for air or having a sugar crash and they just got shots of them looking like they were ready to pass out it just duh. it was really but, yeah it was really just yeah but nothing tops the final shot of the film oh my god oh my god so gina the the woman that has been featured the most often in this documentary and her husband mark they are both on the couch. Gina's sitting up. Mark is laying down and he's like asleep and his head is in the crook between like her, her love handle and her breast, her breast. So it's like the, it forms this nook and he's just asleep. And then they pan over to Gina who is staring at the camera it, with the most sour expression she could possibly muster on her face. And it's like, and it's, it's just so weird. It's, it's like, he's like asleep on her lap, like a dog. And she's staring at the ca camera, like an old Kathy um, comic strip or like a, like a moment from Daria. And then it just ends. As they play, sometimes it's hard to be a woman. And it's like, what is this narrative? Like, oh my God. I, I uh, said to you, I'm like, what the fuck is this shot? Who, who? What the fuck? It's just it's weird. It's a weird way to end it. I mean, look, I I will say something here. Like, I wanted to like Mark throughout the film because I did it, too. it was very clear that he was a, a feeder and wanted to to grow Gina. And I'll be honest, 
There's a lot of language from Gina throughout the film where she seems playful with the notion that she knew that he wanted to grow her. So there's a large portion of this film where it just feels like, well, maybe she didn't know that she enjoyed being a big person, but after she met Mark, maybe she realized, oh, this is actually something I can feel good about and I actually really enjoy doing. And so there's videos of her saying, I really enjoyed doing this for you guys and blah, 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 blah. And it's not until like the fucking end of the film where she's like, yeah, so anyways, I was just doing all this to placate him, to make him happy, and now I regret everything. That was the moment that I realized that both Mark and Gina are assholes. So Mark states, I've never met a woman who was too big or too big for the fantasy, that's for sure. So regardless of the themes proposed in the films, how should we as viewers who are in the know take his statement as an indicator of his perspective on his spouse see when he says i've never met a woman that's too big for the fantasy that makes me think that like you're living in the fantasy dude you're not living in reality like there i i and i understand that there are people in our community who want who are death feeders and they want to be fed to the point of death and i don't have an issue with that the the but if like i but if the partner the one who's going to be facilitating all the care or said person said oh yeah because i just can't stop fantasizing about him getting bigger and bigger and bigger yada yada it's like okay but at some point reality is going to have to set in even if the two of you still come to the consensus that or to the consensus that you're going to feed him until he dies you have to go through the reality of it you have to understand the logistics of it and in fact one thing i wanted to bring up is the reason why I wanted to like Mark was because he made a video about um, how to care for someone who is of extreme size. And I actually was like, okay, I can give you your flowers for that because that's more than what most people do. You know, there's plenty of people that make content uh, being at, you know, extreme sizes, but then there's no education or reality into how they would be cared for. I actually think yeah. that what Mark did making that video was a good thing. It's a little bit like what we do, in all honesty, like trying to create resources that people can fucking refer to. So I feel like even in that moment, you know, there must be some good, there must be some good intent because it's wanting to help facilitate things for others who I would presume are consenting. I mean, I feel like there's also a point to be made, right? Like this idea that we're suggesting that fat people can never consent to feedism. But like, how are we as feed people supposed to know that? Like, I am a clearly a consenting gainer because I'm growing myself. And if I partnered with someone in the community who says they're a feeder or says they're a mutual gainer, why would I not believe them? You know, I feel like it presents this dichotomy of everything's true until it's not true and somehow you're supposed to know the difference at all times like no that's yeah, just like you're supposed to have this infallible barometer about when people are being genuine or not like i i get it that like you know you're supposed to really know someone before you get into a committed situation with them but yeah. 90% of the population does not do that. You know, there's a point to be made. They do say in the documentary that Mark and Gina were together for less than a year before they got married. And I would imagine that, like, even some of the other situations where people found themselves in dangerous situations, like, they probably didn't know the people that long. They'd probably never met them in person. And maybe you'd argue, well, she couldn't leave the house to find out. Okay, and? Like, there's no other magic rule that determines how you're supposed to get to know someone. Like... 
people are going to make whatever decisions they want to make. There is a point in the film where the language used by fat admirers indicates a lack of sensitivity towards uh, the description of plus size bodies. So, for example, you know, he's talking about taking care of Gina and he says, well, you know, uh, there's a part of his skin where it becomes like an inch thick. It's so leathery. It's like an elephant skin. And, you know, that's a little insensitive to a big degree. But I want to ask you, in your opinion, do you feel like the language we have around growing bodies in the community has improved in the 20 years since this documentary was made? I think so. But I mean, case by case, I'm sure there are people who still do use terms that are a bit more insensitive or lack of creativity. You know, some people are not very eloquent and they can't really come up with good metaphors. You know, so in Mark's case, he probably just couldn't think of of a better way flattering description about it you know and there are people like again we have members in our community who do get off on the humiliation aspect of it so they might want to be compared to things like it's just it's it's nuanced and it's case by case you know there is a moment i want to talk about where you know again they're talking about feeders uh feeders sorry and they express a sense of confusion because they're like i just don't understand how they convince feeders to overconsume, and it's like that's another key thing where it's like they just don't believe that consensual feedism actually exists they don't understand that people can want this for themselves so the entire narrative of this film predicates itself on the idea that to be fat or to want to be fatter is insane it's bad it's a mental disability to an extent because they talk about how um women who have been subjugated to this become mentally changed by this situation they were talking about debbie she'll never be the same again she's never fully recovered like it's just insipid this presentation of who and of who and what we are it's really fucking tough to watch guys i know we've said that but fuck just be be ready <laughs> it does draw a line between FAs and feeders in a way that suggests like feeders are the wolf in sheep's clothing that infiltrates fat admiration and it corrupts BBWs. How much do you see that in the gainer community versus this suggestion of it? I think that statistically feeders like that must exist. However, I do not believe that they are in the percentage that this documentary would make you believe that they are in. I think that they are probably... Uh, you know, a subgroup of the regular, you know, a subgroup of a subgroup kind of situation. Like, I think that the main narrative being pushed in the community now is don't violate anyone's consent. Yeah. Coercion is not a good thing. Um, No means no. Um, and, and, And move the fuck on. Like, if somebody doesn't want to be your fantasy, which... Can, can you blame anyone for not wanting to be put under that kind of pressure? Then move the fuck on. There are 50 million other people. You know, we've said this before. It's like when people steal content of non-gainers and try to pass it off as their own, or they harass non-gainers on YouTube or on different profiles. And it's like, baby, there are thousands thousands of gainers who want your love and affection we want your attention on our bellies tell us we look fantastic you don't need to go to non-gainers you don't need to sneak around you can literally find us honestly a dime a dozen 
in the community begging for that attention like well and don't be devious and honestly let, let me put it let me put it like this okay if you are if you happen to be a person who wants that whole thing the fantasy the coercion the convincing the yada yada be upfront about it say hey look i'm not looking for a relationship i'm not looking for commitment i'm not looking for anything but fulfilling my fantasy Yep. At least tell people up front, tell people up front about that. So that way the feedee is informed and is like, okay, mm -hmm. I can get in on this or I could not get in on this. Yeah. And I, I, I guarantee you that there are people out there who want to do this, who want to fulfill the fantasy for you that way. Oh, but you've got to go find the right people. You know, this is the kind of the kind of harassment that people like that give to gainers and feeders, uh, feedees within the community is what pushes them away and makes them say, I have to leave this community because I can't handle this. 100%. Look, there is such a thing as consensual non-consent because rape fantasy, guys, hellier, hellier. We are not unfamiliar with this concept that like, oh, no, don't take advantage. Don't force me to do this oh god i don't enjoy this at all like obviously obviously there are ways to enjoy it and that there are people who enjoy it just connect with those people don't like go about doing this shit the wrong and there are safe ways to enjoy it without um interacting with anybody at all there's tons of fiction out there lots of fiction so much fiction uh yeah also, I just want to put it out there. The narrator uh, insinuates that, that like, the fetist use of funnels for feeding uh, is oh, yeah. insidious, which completely ignores like what must clearly be the greater propensity of people to use those funnels for piss play, scat fetish, and putting fuel in your car. <laughs> like, yes, the use of funnels is unique. To no, it's not unique. No. Stupid it's just so it's such it's such a stupid thing to to even i mean because like you know obviously the obviously funnels ended up being used for tube feeding and for um piss play and all the other things because somebody saw or was working on a car mechanic whatever saw the funnel was like hmm i could strap that to a hose and then i could make an entire piece of headgear that would go you know it's necessity is the mother of invention but it's not as if feeders and gainers were the first people to ever think of using it for that you know if anything we've covered in how many fetish episodes like we think to ourselves our kinks are so weird and unique no one could ever understand and then plot twist literally anything we've ever done is just has already been done it's just the gainer flavor of literally pre-existing communities that are like millions of human beings strong so truly we are not the first we will not be the last period <sighs> to to deviate slightly, and I know I mentioned this before, like the they're the two directors, right? They've both worked together on other projects since this, such as Notorious and Big Life, and many other um, documentaries and miniseries that have like aired on Channel Four, right? And so that's um, Alistair Cook and Robert Davis. Checking out the sort of synopsis of a lot of these projects, they have a similar. Uh, theme to each other of exposing like underground seditious behavior do you feel like this documentary is just another example of that absolutely it is exploitative it is absolutely 100 percent exploitative it is let's drag the freaks out and we'll charge two bits of gander and <laughs> to do to do whatever i want to ask you like having now seen this documentary what do you feel like their motivation was for creating this? Exploitation. 
plain and simple. Just straight exploitation. up exploitation. Because I, I no, not n- nothing else. Exploitation. I will say this. I do feel like there is a reason why you only ever see things about gaining and fetism every few years, and it's because there's only a one trick pony that people know how to address it with. And they know that there's only so many times they can flog that horse before they have to wait for it to get back up so they can flog it again. It's like the fishing ground. You can't overfish. Otherwise they'll die and it goes away. Same thing here. I think that they did this because they noticed a gap in the market to talk about something that for them was an easy win. I think it's very easy for society to present anything to do with fatness as seditious and inappropriate and cringy and nasty and bad and they just went ahead and did that like they didn't even try to appear neutral they just went straight out with calling us weird and calling us like inappropriate and all sorts of things so fuck them uh, i want to ask a challenging question here mm. is there anything about the film you liked when i mentioned about mark making the educational video about how to care for somebody at that size i thought that was a positive thing and that's literally the only thing that i've taken away from the film that was a good thing you know i i'm i'm inclined to agree it's the only it was the only good thing and i genuinely thought for myself like this is the moment where it turns it around this is the moment where we find out that he's working with the fat lib movement and he's pushing for change and it's all going great no you know things yeah. went downhill after that point but for a shiny yeah. moment Marcus for one went. second i was like on mark's side and then and then it, yeah. and then it went um <laughs> in contrast <laughs> what did you dislike about the film um absolutely everything <laughs> i disliked that it was made yeah i i dislike the fact that these two men thought that this was um, something that they could be proud of. I I feel that this was a very mean-spirited documentary. I feel that um, there was some cruelty intended here with the specific language that the narrator was using, the framing of the subjects, the camera angles, even the background music. Oh, God. It just felt like this was meant to poke fun, you know? I'd, I'd want to ask the question, what would you change about this film? Like, I, I wouldn't, it, just to unmake it, to yeah, not would, have it exist. I would change it from existing. That's exactly what I would do with this. Um, I, I, give this uh, I give this film a one out of 10. I'm going to be conservative. I mean, I'm going to say that this is a negative one. This is a negative one out of 10. I love that. I am going to give this a one out of 10 purely for the three minute scene in which Mark explained about wanting to create content to help educate fat admirers and feeders. That is my, that wasn't enough to save the film for me. This was, this was truly a film that I, if I, if I could apologize to the world for it existing, you know, I know I didn't make it, but I still feel like obligated to apologize that it even exists. So it's going to stay at a negative one. And I'm really worried that we're going to watch something even worse than this. I mean, <laughs> we we have a horror film called Feed on the list. Yeah, I have a feeling that that one's going to make it like a negative 10, potentially. <laughs> we'll just we'll just see how we get on. I stick by my one. Tim gives it a negative one. That still averages out at a zero. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hard fats at a, a nine, I think, because I gave it an eight. You gave it a 10. Everyone yeah. else got zeros across the board. So we're, we're either at a nine or a zero. There is no... <laughs> There is no in-between. There's no in-between at this point. Christ. Uh, Listeners, you know, if you have any suggestions, by the way, because we have a list 
that we have purviewed and you know made made addendums for to to go through if you have any suggestions for things that actually address like gaining feedism feedurism anything like that please write in at thethickradio at gmail.com Tim, darling, do you have any final points to make for this steaming shit turd pile? <laughs> uh, just, um, if you really want to subject yourself to 45 very uncomfortable minutes, um, you know, give it a watch. And, oh, yeah, that's just on YouTube, guys. You know, just, just be aware that it was made in 2003, and that doesn't excuse anything, but it does give you perspective on, you know, what was considered acceptable back then. Yeah. No, look, that's a, that's a fair point. You know, like it's, it was 2003. We are about 20 years in the future. So things have improved and I, okay. I want to close out with this. I think things are better now. And I, I, I live in the hope that listeners, potential filmmakers will just pull our fingers out and make our own shit. I feel like we're not going to get a good documentary until one of us makes one. So I just want to put it out there. If anyone wants to make one, this is your God of whatever your religion speaking through me to tell you to get off your fat ass and please make it because I'd like to review some good shit that talks yeah. about us for once that would be nice. if this if this entire list turns into a bunch of negative numbers and zeros i'm just gonna be like there's no hope I, yeah. <laughs> there's I'm no up. hope oh my god well that's a wrap for now here on thick radio thank fuck um please remember to like and subscribe rate us five stars and leave us a good review even though we gave this movie a bad review If you like this episode, for God knows what reason, the podcast, we're good, or just us in general, share it with your friends and encourage them to tune in. You can find me on Instagram and beefyfrat at Stanham. And you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, TikTok, and beefyfrat at Thicky Mouse. You can also look us up on TikTok at Thick Radio or at our website at www.podpage.com forward slash Thick Radio. If you want to submit a voice note, you can reach us at anchor.fm forward slash thick radio forward slash message. And if you have any questions or ideas for episodes, you can reach us at thethickradio at gmail.com. So until next time, bye fats. Bye fats. Let's talk about it. Radio is a Patreon and Anchor app podcast produced by Stan and Dickie Mouse. Next and Master by Stan. Our artwork is provided by Lookie Our theme song is provided by Bonnie by Trey.